Well, well, well. I really enjoy spending time with you. I love just sharing my heart uh, and sharing the things that the Lord has pointed out to me in his word. And I just look forward to another opportunity to do that. So let's dive in. We've been going through Isaiah chapter 17. Well, we've been going through the book of Isaiah. We're in chapter 17 now. And uh, uh, we've been tracing our way through this ancient prophecy from this dear old man, the prophet Isaiah. And today we're in the middle of a what I'd call a dark and gloomy prophecy about the things that are going to happen to uh, the city and the cities around Jerusalem. But in the midst of this dark prophecy is a gleaming, bright, hopeful moment of joy. And it comes as some people change their view of something. So that's what I want to look at. And I want to start with a question. What are you looking at today? What you looking at? That's the question that Isaiah poses here. He starts in Isaiah 17 and it says in verse 4, he says, In that day the glory of Jacob will fade. The fat of his body will waste away. It will be as when a reaper gathers the standing grain and harvests the grain with his arm, as when a man gleans heads of grain in the valley of Raphim. These are uh, pictures that you may not recognize uh, because it's from analogies from an agrarian society that where uh, wheat fields and gleaning was a little bit more common than they are here. But the picture is he's describing a time in uh, Judah, Israel's history or their, their future um, destiny when things were going to be so bleak that it would be like standing out in a field where the farmers have already gone through and harvested all the grains and all that's left is a few straggling little uh, pieces of wheat that you glean. That's what gleaning means, gleaning, just trying to desperately find something to get you through. And um, the picture is one of somebody who has come to the very end of themselves where they are so discouraged, so let down, so overwhelmed by the world and by the enemies and by the situations that have come against them that they have given up hope. And there is nothing left but a couple of grains in their palm of their hand. And Isaiah says in verse 7, in that day, that day of gloom and despair. In that day, there is a few men who find the secret. They will, I, I'm not reading anymore. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. They will find something to look at that will change everything. They will change their perspective. Verse 7. In that day, men will look to their maker and turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. They will not look to the altars, the works of their hands. They will have no regard for the Asherah poles and the incense altars their fingers have made. Oh, I just want to sit on those verses with you guys for a couple of minutes because there's so much packed in here. Isaiah is saying that when you come to a time of despair and discouragement, you have two choices, and the choices have to do with your perspective, with what you look at. One temptation will be for you to look at the things that your hands have made. 
You will look to you will look to your own devices, to your own strategies and your own mechanisms or or to the altars that you have made to these things that you've gathered around you that you think might somehow give you hope the the asherah poles that he refers to are are just these um, carven images to false gods they're idols and i don't know about you but i've got some uh, technological tools that I carry around with me that can sometimes become idols because I pay more attention to what these little devices say and I pay more attention to swiping through the, the news of the day on the devices than I do on what is truly real. But Isaiah says there's another option for you. There's another perspective. He said there are going to be some people in that day of despair who will look to their maker. They will turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. He uses two terms to reference God in this verse. He says, their maker. He's drawing a contrast. He says, you will look to the one who made you, not to the things you have made. You get the contrast? You get the choice of looking at what my hands can, can provide for me or looking to the hands of the one who carved me to my very DNA. I, in, uh, Psalms 9, or Psalms, uh, in Psalm 95, 6, it says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Guys, we serve a God, a creator, who had the power to shape your DNA. He had the power to cast the galaxies into place. And our invitation right now is to lift our eyes and look to our maker. The other term that Isaiah uses to describe God is one of his favorites in this book. It's the Holy One of Israel. And if you have been tracing, tr tracing um, through with us in Isaiah, you'll remember that phrase uh, from Isaiah chapter 6 when, he was, when the prophet was first commissioned, when he received his first vision of God and it crushed him. I'm going to read from Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. That word saw is the same, same uh, form of the verb that we're talking about here. Lifting your eyes. I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And the angels cried out, holy, holy, holy. And when Isaiah saw this extraordinary event, where the angels were rocking the foundations of heaven with their voices, praising the Holy One of Israel and singing about His glory and majesty and holiness. It absolutely reshaped Isaiah's life from that moment on to the end of his long life. He was captivated by his Maker, by the Holy One of Israel. And he challenges us, he charges us, he invites us to lift up your eyes to your maker, not to the things you have made. How do we do that, guys? 
What does it mean to lift our eyes to our maker? I've been pondering that because I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time with my eyes getting distracted and my thoughts and my heart and my attention and just straying from my maker. And I, and I, I want to come back and I want to remind myself, what does it take to keep my eyes back on the king? So I spent some time just looking through um, different passages of, of scripture uh, inside and outside of Isaiah uh, that talk about the same thought of, of turning our eyes, of getting a new perspective. The first one that um, came to mind is Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. There the psalmist sings, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The same, it's the same thought here. The, the, the psalmist is saying, I if in order to see the maker, sometimes it helps to just spend some time focusing on the things he has made. And so the, the psalmist just goes, he says, I love to go out and look up to the mountains because it reminds me of where my help comes from. And this verse reminds me of a story uh, years and years ago, back when I was in Bible college. Um, I, uh, it was my first year uh, at Multnomah, and I was just having the time of my life. Uh, I had, for the first time, just discovered how joyful it is to be surrounded with other guys who love to read the Word and study God's Word and just talk about the Lord. And, and it was just really a thrilling time for me. And there was this one evening where my friends invited me to uh, drive up to Mount Hood with them. And so we all piled in this one little Datsun, and we um, rambled up the, the road towards um towards the Mount Hood, and it was it was evening towards sunset, and we we're just uh, going through these, this uh, roundabout curvy road up the mountain, uh, and, uh, surrounded by gorgeous trees, and just having a wonderful time. But then all of a sudden, we came around this bend, and there before us, in a clearing of the trees, we were able to see the very peak of Mount Hood right in front of us, and it was covered with snow, just beautifully splendid with snow. But the thing was that right behind us, the sun was going down. And as it was setting behind us, it was casting this extraordinary sunset of beautiful colors that were reflecting off the white snow-capped peak of Mount Hood. And so these extraordinary colors, magentas and yellows and blues and purples, just beautiful swirling colors were just just resonating off this mountain in front of us. And everybody in the car just gasped as we saw this amazing sight. And the driver pulled off to the side of the road and we all climbed out of the car and we just looked up at that mountain and we were in awe of this beauty that was before us on display. One of the guys started singing a hymn and we all joined in and it was just one of the most overwhelming moments of my life as I saw the beauty and majesty and power of God on display right there in front of me. And I've never forgotten that moment of looking up to the mountains. And I think back to that and I think that the God who created that power and beauty is the God who is my maker and my helper. That is where my help comes from. Well, this is not just this idea of looking, looking to God, lifting your eyes to God. is not just an Old Testament um, 
uh, teaching. Obviously, it, it's, it goes all around, all throughout the New Testament as well. And I just want to take you to a few of the verses that came to my mind as I was thinking about this. Um, I'm sure these will be familiar to you. Think about Colossians 3, verse 1. Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Again, guys, we need to lift our eyes. We need to lift our hearts. We need to lift our minds to the maker, to the king, to the savior who is sitting at the right hand of God. That is where our attention needs to be coming back to over and over again. How about... uh, How about Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely. Okay, setting aside those poles, setting aside those altars, those things that our hands have made, set them aside. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, Looking to Jesus. That's the secret, guys. We look to Jesus. You know, there's, um, there's a, a kind of a really physical representation of this in the book of Acts when, you know, there's a, there's a literal uh, example of this in the book of Acts when Stephen, who had just finished preaching this extraordinary evangelistic sermon, um, gets uh, attacked and uh, um, arrested and uh, the, the Jews um, are furious at him for the things that are, he's saying, uh, verse 54, it says, when they heard him, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of heaven at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What a picture that is of a man of God surrounded by enemies, surrounded by uh, uh, something that is too powerful for him, something that will actually, in, in the few moments that follow this, will actually bring his death. And where is he looking? He is lifting his eyes up to the heavens to see his God. And that is where he gets his joy. And that is what fills him with the Holy Spirit is by seeing God. Well, another passage I wanted to look at is 1 John chapter 3. Beloved, John says, we are God's children now. And what we will be is not yet appeared. But, listen to this, we know that when, we, when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We will be like him because we will see him. Fellas, the more that we can see Jesus in the mind's eye, in the eye of our hearts, the more that we can lift our eyes and see him as he is, the more we will become like him. If we see him, we will be like him. That is the challenge I want to lay before you guys. What have you been looking at? What have you been spending your time thinking about, focusing on, scrolling through, 
what are you looking at? Well, there's just a few more verses that I want to um, uh, to leave you with. And one is to take you back to Isaiah, and uh, but we're going to move to the end of the book in Isaiah chapter 40, which is one of the most glorious pictures of God that you will ever read. Uh, you need to set some time aside just to read these verses and, and, to, and to hear this description of the mighty majesty of God. Um, but at the towards the end of this amazing picture, uh, we get to um, the words of the Lord himself in verse 25. He says, to whom you will, will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One. And then the Lord himself gives us this challenge. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He's talking about the starry host above him, above us. Lift your eyes, look to the, who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Have you ever been out, guys, in a really dark night and been able just to look up and ponder the majesty of the galaxy above us? I remember one particular occasion um, years ago when I was at probably one of the lowest points of my life. I was um, facing some um, deep, deep darkness and challenges that were, many of which were of my own making and of, from my own foolishness. And um, I, was, I was despairing. And in those days, I used to take long, long walks um, in the evening just to, to pray or cry or cry out to God. I remember this one evening I was out in a, a barren field um, and uh, I was just walking along and it was, it was night and I was looking up at the stars and I was crying. And then all of a sudden, the question came to me, my mind, what am I crying about? The God who created those constellations is my king. And in that moment, this is going to sound strange, but in that moment, I started laughing. Literally, I started laughing out loud because I was just so struck by the ludicrous absurdity of my anxiety and worries because I was looking at the stars that were formed by the hand of an almighty God. The the God who knew the every star, who knows every star by name and calls them. They're there because he appoints them. He puts them there. He holds them there. I worship the constellation maker. And it changed my perspective and it changes everything when you see God, when you see him for who he is, when you lift your eyes and see God. Brothers, I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you might be going through right now. Only the king knows that. But I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to exhort you. Lift your eyes to your maker. There's one last verse that I want to read, leave you with. And uh, it's probably in one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. It's um, the passage where King Jehoshaphat was surrounded by an enemy, an arm, uh, 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 aggregation of armies that was uh, far, far superior to his own. And he was out of hope. 
he had no no resources to um, overcome the situation he was in. And so he goes to the temple and he falls on his knees and he prays this prayer that's recorded in Second Chronicles chapter 20, one of the most amazing prayers you'll ever read. I don't have time to read the whole passage, but I want to just show you how he um, closes. He, he starts by just reminding himself of who God is and who what God has done for Israel and all the promises. He just reminds himself of all of these things. But then he closes his prayer with this. In verse 12, he says, Oh God, will you not judge these enemies? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And then listen to this line. Oh God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Gentlemen, in that day, men will look to their maker and turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. If that's not what you're looking at right now, I charge you, lift your eyes to the hills and see the maker. Not not the hills themselves, that's not what we worship, but we see behind the hills, we see behind the stars to the one who put them there. Let me pray. Father, King, almighty, majestic God, I thank you that you made me, that you made these guys that are listening to me, that you made this planet, this universe, that you formed it out of nothing just to show off your glory. And Lord, when we get glimpses of that, when we, when we, when we turn our eyes off the things that distract us and the things that we're working on, the things that we've made or the things that we're making, and we remember who it is who made us. And when we see you, it changes everything. So, Father, I pray right now for my brothers who are having a hard time focusing their thoughts on you. And I want to ask on their behalf, would you lift their eyes? Would you change their perspective? Would you help them to see the Savior as he is so that they might be like him? Father, I'm asking that you would reach down, as it were, and put your hand under our chin and lift us up so that we can look straight into your eyes and not see the eyes of condemnation, but the eyes of a loving Father, a maker who delights in what he has made, and a Father who loves the children he has adopted. Thank you, Father. Help me to see you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.